Hey guys, how's it going? This is L. Jeffrey Moore, the host of LJ Presents. Uh, before we get started, wanted to let you guys know that the next couple of podcasts are going to be coming straight from this app that I've been using called Anchor. Uh, it's it's a cool app. Uh, it You're able to actually record your podcasts right from the app on your iOS uh, device. I've actually had to use that feature a few times as I was scheduling guests and not able to get get to my computer at the time. So just had to make do with what we got and we we used our iOS devices. Uh, Great opportunity to be able to talk to a few people. And uh, so these next few episodes are going to be featured uh, using that app. So if you want to get into podcasting and you don't know what to do, you know, download the app. Uh, this is a plug. They don't even know I'm doing it. So, uh, you know, yay for them. Uh, also, uh, if you want to use the app, uh, as your main podcast, uh, listening app of choice, uh, feel free to follow me on the app. And also, you can click on that uh, support button, chip in a dollar, 50 cents, you know, I don't know, uh, five dollars. But uh, hey, you're going to get some great content. I've got other awesome guests that are lining up. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So, all right, here we go. Thanks. Hello world, and welcome to another episode of LJ Presents. This week's guest is Ed Ntiri. This is an awesome young man I met a few months ago at a film screening. He was uh, showcasing uh, one of his first short films called Snow Mountain. Very moving, very touching. I'm uh, hoping he's going to release it out in the wild. I know it's been making the film festival circuit, so hopefully you guys will be able to uh, check his work out online. He does have a few other things as well. Uh, you can go to his website, ntiri.com. That's N-T-I-R-I-E.com. Now, this man is also a self-taught photographer. What really stands out with him is the fact that this is one. Of, this is a young brother who still works with film, like 35 millimeter film. He still shoots digital, but if you go to his Instagram uh, page and all that stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, it, he really reminds me of Gordon Parks. Like seriously, this 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 guy's on top of things. And not only that, he also creates music i mean this is like a renaissance man so you guys should should definitely check him out um he's also done some work with the uh the golden state warriors the levi company and uh pandora he's a copywriter uh specializing in advertising and scripts he received his mfa from mills college and he is in the bay area so uh check him out uh we're gonna talk a little bit we actually spoke about his longing uh to break into his first feature film uh can't wait for you guys to hear more about it and just also about his journey of 
you know, always being a creator and tapping into his creative side and then, you know, taking the plunge and, you know, doing it uh, a, a lot more. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to present to you Mr. Ed and Terry. Yo, so, hey, man, I just want to say, you know, thanks for your time. Thanks for for coming on. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see one of one of your short films at a liberated lens in Oakland. And we have a few mutual, you know, friends. And, you know, I just literally just like, yo, I want to talk to you. So I kind of stalked you on Instagram and then message you from there. And so, you know, hey, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So uh, why don't you give us a a brief intro of uh, who you are, what you do and uh, what you got, you know, coming up? Uh, Sure, sure. Um, My name is Ed Natiri. I'm uh, primarily a writer, Uh, work as a copywriter, but uh, I've written fiction. I've written kids books, uh, written screenplays uh, and film is definitely my favorite thing to write. Um, I also do photography, so I do a lot of photojournalism and uh, portraiture. And uh, I also make music on the side. That's kind of like my little meditative hobby. I just uh, kind of zone out and make beats uh, when I'm not working at my job or at my second job, which is working on the artistic projects. So that's that's pretty much what I do. And uh, the film that you saw was my first short film, which mm-hmm. was... It was sort of an experiment, really, and, uh, you know, it was fun. I learned a lot, and, and I'm hoping to make more. So Awesome. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about, about your first uh, short? Yeah, sure. Uh, in terms of, like, the plot, like what it's about, or? Well, I know you're going to have other people, you know, see it, so, you, don't, you know, you don't want to give too much away, but I just think it's actually, it's really beautiful, and I have a child, so, of course, I'm starting, you know, I was starting to get, all teared up, you know, because I kind of knew what was coming down the pipe, but, you know, it was just like, ah, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, well, well, uh, yeah, for people who haven't seen it, it's, um, it's about a, um, a young mother and her son on their first camping trip. And, cool. Yeah, and, it's, and, and it, it basically takes a little bit of a turn as you, you dive deeper into uh, the tricks that she uses to get him to go to sleep. That's the whole premise. He just, she wants him to go to sleep so she can kind of focus on what she's got to focus on. And, and, uh, yeah. And in six minutes, we take you through a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll say. So how, how did you come up? Uh, how did you come up with that, with that idea? Uh, so, so basically I've, I've lived in Oakland for about 11 years. Um, mm-hmm. from New York and, um, in the time that I've been here, you know, I came here in 07, really late 07. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, seen a lot, you know, a lot of change up, up front, you know, living in West Oakland, East Oakland, North Oakland. Um, and one of the biggest things um, that, that sort of haunts me in a way is this, this juxtaposition of people who, um, who camp for sport. Um, you know, going up to like Yosemite and going on these extreme kind of trips um, and casually do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's people who can't because, you know, they have to. They're in these situations where um, they have no choice but but to, you know, live in a certain way. And I've kind of seen both sides of it. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I have friends who have been on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, also, before I moved out here, I lived in South America um, out of a backpack. I was backpacking. I just had a, you know, uh, a tent on my back and, and I was just wandering. Um, and that was a really, really interesting time. But I also was doing that um, for sport. Like, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I wasn't, like, rich and just wandering around. But mm-hmm. I made a choice to go out there. And that's a privilege, you know, to go and say, yeah, I'm just going to wander and do my thing. But I right come back to you know what i'm saying right wow man so tell me about tell me about your time in south america so was this like after college or uh it was after a couple years working in the banking industry um Mm -hmm. oh that'll do it yeah (laughs) no that goes very typical story you know young get out of college you're in a bunch of debt you want to make as much money as possible so i worked in banking um, ironically, I was working as a corporate lender, so I was giving loans to companies and people who, you know, in 04, 05, 06, you know, mm. before the crash. Mm-hmm. At that time, they were giving out loans left and right. I was one of those people underwriting those loans. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, you make a lot of money, but it's soul-sucking. Um, I kind of saw that it wasn't stable, and uh, right after I left, um the crash happened and while the crash happened i was abroad you know and and there's a little bit of guilt with that but at the same time we're all part of the system and it was was of course where i was i was like i gotta get out of here this isn't you know it's not uh sustainable you know right right well you know what uh you know good for you you know like like you just said no one's like everybody's hands are dirty uh, in particular with that particular situation, but good for you for actually having the foresight to say, yo, something's coming down the pipe. I need to, I need to find my soul. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So what was that experience like going to South America? Uh, you know, it was, it was the closest thing to a state of grace as I think human beings can come to. It was just, mm. um, it was freedom. It was sort of, um, an opportunity to find yourself, you know, and that, even that is, a, you know, it's a, a loaded term in a way, but, um, to be able to put yourself in a place like number one, I went to Colombia. Um, I say South America. I mostly stayed in Colombia. Okay. There because at the time nobody else traveled there, so I was in a state of mind. Um, you think of people like James Baldwin when he left the states. He he always talks about how he he was going to go insane if he didn't leave and go to Paris. You know. Right. Right. Kind of mind state where I was like unhappy. I just wanted to get out. I didn't want to go on vacation. I just wanted to go somewhere, you know, experience mm-hmm. something. So um, living in Colombia was, number one, there were no Americans there. <laughs> Maybe one or two of us. <laughs> okay. Very, everywhere I went, nobody spoke English as well, except for a few places in Bogota. Um, so I'm going to a, a foreign country, don't know anything, don't know the language. And you just have to, like, start from square one. And so it was this experience of like, uh, you're, you're constantly being challenged. You have to like be so present and alive to navigate the different spaces that you're going through. Colombia was also going through a civil war. So it was, you had to be careful about the places that you went to. Okay. Um, in many ways it was very dangerous, but in, in at the same time, um, you know, you often find that the places that they say are the most dangerous actually have the happiest, warmest, friendliest people um, that just nobody's talking about. So I found it to be an incredibly rewarding experience. 
met mm-hmm. very cool people, discovered that I wanted to write, you know, got inspired, came back, moved to California. So, uh, again, it's hard to summarize what it was like to live out of a backpack for a year just wandering around, but it was... Yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it was eye-opening and, and life-changing, for sure. Are you going to... Do you... Do you think you're going to write about that experience or have you already? Uh, I've written, yeah, I've written, I have journals. Yeah. Okay. I have journals from the trip and uh, yeah, one day I will, I definitely will write about it, but it's one of those things that it, you, it could take a lifetime to process what it actually was like. And of course, every day you uncover, you know, uh, things, parts of your personality that are linked back to that experience. I think that's, that's another thing that's kind of interesting. Like it's still shaping who I am in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that that's amazing. I mean, you know, and it just goes to show you how how certain people come into other people's lives and they see one particular aspect of it. Like I found you through film, and when you were talking on stage to a shira the curator of uh, liberated lands you know we were i you said you were a writer i remember that but i think what was more prominent was you know was your photography right and you know going through your instagram like a lot of it you know really reminded me of gordon parks right so how when did you when did you find when did you find your way into photography that's a great question. Uh, it's it's been a gradual thing. So, so Gordon Parks. I'm glad you mentioned him because he's he's definitely a master. You know. Oh hell yeah. He's a, he's a Renaissance man. You know, he's a right filmmaker, photographer, writer. He's a lot of things, and he was um, his work. You know, from fashion to to photojournalism, is just spectacular. And um, for me, I think I've always. So like I, I I identify as a writer, right? And that's like what I do. That's what I'm paid to do. It's it's my mm-hmm. job. But photography is always it's been a thing on the side. And as a thing on the side, it's just a really fun hobby, you know. And I I I've always hung out with photographers. One of my best friends, this guy Josh, um, he was with me on the Columbia trip for a good portion of it. And he's a real photographer, you know. Like he studies, mm-hmm. goes out. And it was always interesting to just watch him work, you know, and just see how he interacted with people and wanted to tell stories. And I've just always been fascinated by the way that they work and what they do and the power of imagery. And, and mm-hmm. as a writer, I've been like jealous. You know, you make an image, one image does so much, whereas a, a writer has to sit down and toil, you know, hours and hours just to craft a sentence. And most people, you know, don't really read like they used to. It's a visual culture, right? Right. I, right interest it's just a it's a challenging thing like can you tell a story in a frame you know or can you capture these little details about someone like i used to i used to want to write uh you know like novels and i I wrote a novel it was didn't quite work out you know like like a lot of people who try to write them but i remember specifically working so hard to just try to capture these essential details about a character to make them come alive and Mm -hmm. you can do that in a portrait in in a, in a way that's a completely different language. So I think that's that's where my interest in photography came from. The ability to use that medium to do what I've always wanted to do with writing. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, you know, yeah, both disciplines, you know, have their uh, challenges. You know, you're either sitting down for a, a few hours trying to 
craft that that sentence, that paragraph, trying to find the right words to get the right frequency, you know, to get the right emotion across. But then on the other end with photography, you got to be ready at that moment's notice and hit that button to capture that that one thing, you know, where and I haven't even we're not even talking about, oh, let's compose this shot right quick in order to hit that button in order to get that image and to be able to like, you know, capture that moment. You know, so yeah, I totally get it. But the crazy thing is though with your photography is that you mostly shoot on film, like actual film. Is that right? Uh yeah. Yeah, about ninety percent of what I do, maybe even more, maybe ninety five percent of it is on film, yes. Yeah, and do you um develop your own work as well i do yeah that's uh when you uh, yeah uh i've actually been in my dark room all weekend i'm working on a book um about a trip uh, that i did to haiti so it, it the, the thing about photography is like you when you shoot film you shoot you shoot you have all these negatives and then you make your contact sheets and you look at them and then you enlarge them in the dark room and all of these things just start coming up so the the process of shooting film i think is just extremely meditative for me and and really um addictive in a way because it's just like this um it's like the path comes back <laughs> in the present <laughs> yeah but you know just you know allow me to play devil's advocate i mean you're in a dark room your fingers are cracking with all the chemicals don't you just oh man you can you can put that look in post <laughs> true it's true you know yeah I, I love good digital photography, but I think I'm just, I'm, I'm about the process, man. Like the way it makes me slow down, the way it makes me shoot, the way it makes me think. I just, I work differently. Even when I shoot digitally, mm -hmm. I shoot shooting film, you know, I, uh, I, you know, you have a memory card and you have way more uh, room, you know, you have way more than 36 exposures, but right. if I go in, I'll try to just, without looking at the screen, just try to guess what i think the exposure should be should be you know i think that's that's part of the challenge as well like, i don't use a light meter either it's all oh, wow yeah. wow yeah yeah so tell me about this book about haiti so i take it you've been to haiti right how long how how much time did you spend there uh two weeks oh cool 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 and uh how's it looking there what what's what's your experience been uh it's uh, it's one of the most fascinating places I've ever traveled to. I think it's it's definitely you know poverty stricken, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the earthquake, the you know the aftermath of the earthquake. They're still rebuilding. Wow! And we're talking about the earthquake like back in the early two thousands. Two thousand ten. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a check yeah. On that, but yeah a, a while ago. Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. It was definitely. God, I keep wanting to say 1990s, but no, that's not it. Yeah, it was around 2010, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So they're still they're still feeling from that. So you're able to go down there. Um, yeah. How long? And yeah, go ahead. I wasn't in. Um, I wasn't in. I was only in Port-au-Prince for to the capital. The earthquake was near there. I was only there for a few days. Most of the time, I was there um, in this place called uh, La Tortuga mm -hmm. or Batoti, which is a small island just north of, of Haiti. Okay. Okay. And well, yeah. Fishermen and farmers and whatnot. Mm, mm hmm. And um and when is that when is that book gonna be ready? 
Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm actually just sequencing the book right now. I just finished printing. There's there's about 85 images that I'm going to cut down to about 72. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'll I'll have to keep you keep you updated on that. But okay. And you're going to uh, self-publish? No, I'm probably going to have a publisher for this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome, man. Awesome. Now, I, I want to circle back to Snow Mountain. Um, did, sure. you, you got you got a, a, a DP. Who, who was your uh, cinematographer? Uh, Melinda James. Nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, she's, uh, she's been a really close friend of mine since, since I moved to Oakland. And we're like uh, photography buddies. We always talk about photography. Mm -hmm. And did you shoot that? Did you shoot Snow Mountain on film or was that digital? No, that was digital. Oh, okay. Shooting a film on film is a completely different story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On <laughs> that, let's just do it in post and, you know, you can get that film look. But the cost of shooting, uh, you know, cinema like uh, film is, it's, it's astronomical. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The control you have to have. And I'm not someone who went to film school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're, you're pretty much 100% self-taught. Is this correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Self-taught. Just read a couple of books, watched a couple of movies and was like, let's try to make a film. Yeah. There you go. And photography is the same thing, right? Self-taught? Self-taught. Yeah. It's nice. Just, just enjoy it. Yeah. Nice. So what do you mostly, so you're, you, you've got, you've gotten a few feature, feature scripts, you know, written. Uh, so what do you mostly write about? Like what's your overall theme? Uh, I'd, I'd say it's drama, human stories for sure. Um, I think the third film I want to do is it will be more like funny, more comedy. The thing about Snow Mountain that bothered me was that it was so serious, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's nice, you know, but I, I like I like when I go to the uh, the movies and you know you laugh and you're entertained, you have a good time, you know what I'm right. saying? Right, right, right. That's yeah. cool. And how close are you to getting your first uh, feature off the ground? How that's uh, I'm not sure how to answer that, but okay. Well, where are you right now in the process? Uh, I'm applying for grants right now. Okay. And, and building the team, like I have a team built. I have producers, cinematographer, um, a few actors. You know the scene. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much like networking, like meeting up with different people like, hey, would you be down to do this? And, you know, it, it takes so much time to make a film. It's like you have yeah. to it's everyone and lift this giant thing off the ground. So I'm yeah. in that stage. Cool. And how long has that been since, okay, I'm making I'm gonna make this particular story to where you are now. How how long how long has it been so far? Uh, it's probably been about six months. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, as far as like first time directors, I got a buddy. He's trying to get his first feature film off the ground. He's done a gajillion short films mm -hmm. and and just getting, you know, something moving at least in six months time is still a monumental feat. So I, I would say you're right on track <laughs> as long as you're doing at least, you know, one thing each day to keep the needle moving forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I I think I think you'll you'll be fine with that. How does your friend feel about, you know, um his or her position 
having directed many shorts, you know, how confident are they moving into the feature? Well, um, he's actually, he's somewhat confident. I mean, he's worked on a few feature films. He, he's actually associated, um, you know, with one of, well, with the cinematographer of, uh, Barry Jenkins. So he's been around people who have either graduated to do bigger and better things or right at the precipice, you know, of doing that. So he's gotten a nice support group, you know, to help, you know, keep him from freaking out, uh, for the most part. But, you know, pretty much everything, you know, starts with, you know, the business plan, you know what I mean? So, you know, you write that, um, that proposal, you know, for your script and then you start, you know, giving it out to producers or what have you. So where he is in the process now is that, you know, he's gotten uh, some funds and, you know, he's shopping it around, you know, for actors because he, he wants name actors or what have you. And each, I'll say this, each particular path is different. So depending on if you're trying to use all local talent or a mix of local and LA talent or named actors or what have you, you know, you're going to have varying degrees of, of challenges uh, ahead of you. But, you know, for right now, uh, you know, he feels pretty good. Like I actually uh, spoke to him not too long ago. And so, you know, it's a, it's still a big mountain to climb, but, you know, again, like if like if you can at least get some money down, then, you know, it, things are looking pretty good. Yeah. 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 One thing I I'd throw out there that mm-hmm. fascinating about this, this world, because I'm, I'm new to this. Right. Mm-hmm. That like when you're trying to make a film, it literally is you against the world, you know? And yeah. But everyone, for the most part, says no. And you're the one that has to say yes. Like you have this thing, you believe in it. You have to have passion in it. You have to test it. You know, like you could throw out the idea, like I want to make a film about, you know, these playing cards and they come to life and they start talking and your friend might say, you know, that's ridiculous. But then you say, why is that ridiculous? And then you start crafting it and fixing it and, and, you know, correcting your argument to build it up. And so the amount of work that it takes behind the scenes to have someone Number one, direct all these short films to get their chops up, but then build the team, get money, have the business plan, and create something. Um, it's just monumental. It's amazing. It's amazing that any any film gets made in the first place. And then if it does get made and it gets made well, I think it's such a remarkable accomplishment. So I, I'm really it's it's like gambling, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, if 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 you get a if you get a chance, um, I actually co I, I I've done some guest co-hosting spots for uh, this podcast called Making Movies Is Hard. Uh, the guy I'm referring to who's making his first feature film, he's the host of this particular show. Uh, his name is Alric Bursell. Alric, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. uh, he used to live right in my, or maybe he still does, but he used to live right in my neighborhood. I met him at a coffee shop. And I, uh, I've listened to a few episodes of his show, and I've read his script actually. Oh, cool! Yeah. Were you at uh, the 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 script reading? No. For the alternate? Oh, okay. Yeah. I met him. I was like, "Yeah, I made a film, and then, uh, I'm a writer." And he's like, "Hey, man, I'll send you my script." And I read his script, gave him some feedback. I thought it was a great script. It's really 
funny actually but also kind of weird you know that, that yeah double and everything yeah i remember that script yeah yeah so yeah so that that's what he's uh that's what he's doing you know so awesome. you know yeah so definitely just the simple fact of saying i'm gonna make a feature film and you've got yeah you've got so many people you know saying oh it's gonna be so hard to do or oh no i don't think you can do it there's another filmmaker uh i was fortunate enough to be in in his film where he is doing a series of long takes right now there's like a 15 minute long take maybe i think there's like a seven minute long take somewhere in between but the big monster was is a 90 minute take wow yeah yeah and you know if you think you've got a whole slew of people telling you no you can't make your feature film imagine <laughs> what he's going through trying to convince people we can do a 90 minute take like we can do this now of course it <laughs> of course it in the beginning it was this whole film is going to be done in one take you know so he he was somewhat malleable to where he could at least see that okay the the situation for trying to do like over a 90 minute take is probably not going to happen because there's an exterior scene and it's low budget so it's not like you can you have that much control over a certain area in San Francisco, but a, but being able to break it up into particular you know pieces and you know and hopefully if, if everything goes well, you know knock on wood, this would be like the longest take ever done in American cinema. Oh wow! Yeah, so you know fingers crossed. You know hopefully you know it'll it'll come through. You know so so you're in good company. You're doing fine. I'm just letting you know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's just, it's a, it's a nice thing to kind of remind yourself and remind the world sometimes like mm -hmm. filmmakers are slightly insane, like in that they are doing something that they, they see, not everyone else sees, but then slowly, but surely other people who are like-minded will mm -hmm. see and they'll help you realize that vision. But that in general, it is a, you know, an upward upward hill uphill battle big time you know like because that that does sound crazy a 90 minute film one take that sounds you know you I'm, I'm just picturing you get an hour into it you know and right and then someone's you know trips or, or something like that do you keep going do you start from the beginning i mean there's so much risk involved it's it is that's bold that's really yeah 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 and then on the acting side of things um most of the cast if not all have theater experience so you know we're used to being on all the time you know but the two leads having to do 90 minutes i mean good gracious i mean they're they're seasoned stage performers so they've done you know like long works on stage at one time i remember doing a uh, a one act that was 90 minutes and my my first entrance you know after 10 minutes of the opening that's it like i'm on stage for like that whole time you know so it 
it reminded me of, you know, going back, you know, to that time and like, oh man, this is exciting. You know, you're always on. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Bay Area's the Bay Area's got some really, really good work, you know, coming out. And so hopefully we can get, you know, a new renaissance coming out of the Bay Area, you know, so so it'll be more, you know, Barry Jenkins and Coppola's and Lucas's and stuff like that, you know, yeah. you know, heading back out. I agree with that. I definitely think that uh, uh, it's, it's inevitable. Like we're in a very unique um, time and place with a very unique group of people that have, have gotten together. Very similar, similar, similar to, you know, to Lucas films and, and, um, and Coppola and George Lucas and all those guys when they were in, you know, up in the, in the, the Bay Area in Northern California in the 70s. There's just an interesting mm-hmm. time period. There were like a lot of creative people are getting together and trying to push boundaries and um, using technology as well to push boundaries. And I think the same thing is happening happening now for sure. So it's hard to, to define it or, you know, theorize about, you know, about it when you're in it. But I just know yep. artists, your job is to make, you create, you just make stuff and this is your moment. You take advantage of that moment and make as much as you possibly can, and then let history decide. You look back. Yeah. You know this was a movement, so it, it's uh, it's fun to see. You know, like guys like Barry. I was talking about Barry the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I remember when Medicine came out and how yeah was by that film. You know, or somebody was like, I didn't like that film, and I'm like, he made that film for like 15 grand. You know, and, and he just created his own color palette went in the city and made a little time capsule. He created a moment and yep. led to so many other things. I, I really admire that kind of filmmaking where you're like, you know, he went to film school, he knew what he was doing, but it's just like that that kind of forget what you're telling me I am or I'm not or what I can and cannot do or how much money I need in order to do this, that, or right. third. I'm going to go out, shoot what I know, put it out there and and grow and learn, you know? Yeah. Mistakes. Just, just, just make something. Yeah. And and you, yeah. Eat, you know, you have to be able to kind of step up and be vulnerable and take a chance. You know. Yeah, and that's the big thing. You know, being able to having the having the wherewithal to take that chance, whether and and be brave enough to fail. You know, and do it again. Yeah. 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 Right. Yo, speaking of which, um, did you see High Flying Bird? No, I that, I I, uh, I know I read about it and I put it on my uh, my Netflix like uh, watch list kind of thing. But I'm a big basketball fan, so I'm really curious about it. See it, see it. Like, I just I just watched it yesterday, and I was listening to uh, Soderbergh. He was being interviewed on a podcast, and he was talking about you know shooting on the iPhone and what have you. And I saw his last iPhone film, Unsane, and. I'm just floored. You know, I know how the devices, you know, look, how the camera looks and all that stuff, you know, when, when you make an iPhone film, but he just took this particular film on a different level. You know, you got the guy who did Tangerine and then Steven Soderbergh coming back into the mix, you know, making his iPhone films. And it really, really shows, you know, democratizing technology and, and anybody can make a film. And honestly, though, like his rig, uh, he used an iPhone 8. He used, I think, what's called a Beast Grip. 
and and a wide angle lens, right? So just to, you know, really get as much image as you can, you know, on, onto the sensor. And so you can spend, you know, if you rent, you know, if either paying monthly on the phone, you're, you're, you're spending in total, maybe $2,000, but at that given time, you're probably, you know, with equipment and stuff, you know, you're, you're spending well under five grand on a, on a production package. And then as long as you get good audio, you're good to go. Yeah. Now you say, you've said that you also, uh, make music so you're just like this all-around renaissance man uh brother so tell tell me tell me about tell me about your music and are you going to start putting your own music uh in your work or have you uh no i haven't um music so like i'm I'm like i'm a big proponent of creating just to create like the work that i do for my job is, Mm -hmm. is for the most part, commercial. And a lot of people I know that work in the film industry, for example, um, you know, Ulrich, I think, included, like, the work that you do is commercial. You collaborate, it's cool, but you're making things to sell products. You're making something to help the company push along, you know, whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. I think everyone should have something they do just because they love doing it. So if you love sewing, you should sew. If you love doodling and drawing strange pictures of, you know, poodles or something like that, you should do mm-hmm. have it be a thing that's separate from the commerce. And so for me with music, I grew up, you know, in New York in the golden age of hip hop, the golden era, right? Right. I was a beat head. I love beats. I love jazz. I love samples. So I, I, I was a record collector that actually got flipped into my first job as a writer. I was a music journalist for Wax Poetics magazine, which mm. introduced me to this you know, this higher world of just sort of intentional artistic, um, I guess, archiving of, of really, really great music. But um, I was one of those cats who would just listen to a record, find out what they sampled, and try to recreate that same thing. And then I started experimenting with samplers and sequencers and making beats. And I just made beats for friends of mine who were rappers or singers. And it's just really fun. You know, it's like this process. It's like playing video games. It's like you yeah, and you're just okay, let me chop this up and play this and replay that. Oh, this sounds pretty cool. It's just this ongoing experiment of collaging music together. And it just puts my mind at ease. It's a meditative thing. And so, and what I like about it is that I've never tried to get a record deal. Like, it's not like film where I'm like, I want to make films. I want to make films. I want to put them out and all that stuff. You know, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. Photography lesser to a lesser extent i like but music is entirely you know it's 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 like a thing that i just do um but i I do it a lot Uh, i've probably made maybe 20 albums that i've never put out you know it's just (laughs) you know oh that's nuts i love it i love it yo so we're gonna wind wind up a little bit so how can how can people get up with you so number one if they want to help contribute to your film uh are you going to start a crowdfunding campaign and then you know how, how do you communicate with, with other people in the world so you're on instagram uh how how else can someone get up with you man i gotta be honest with you instagram is the only channel right now that i actively use to communicate with the world so um, my instagram is my uh, my last name and my first initial so it's natiri n t 
I R I E. Um, and, uh, you know, most of the stuff there is like the photography, um, the filmmaking stuff is starting to loop in there a little bit. And I'll kind of post some stuff and stories about things we're working on. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I need to get my, my digital game up. You know, I need to, to get my, my website up and this and that. But for the film, we're probably going to do some crowdsourcing and that I'll post on the uh, crowdfunding and I'll post that on the Instagram. But yeah, man, I'm just I'm just around. <laughs> <laughs> well, no worries. I totally understand the fact that you want to be as incognito as possible. Um, I'm not I, I don't spend that much time on facebook but uh you know instagram is pretty much you know where i am and and twitter as well but you know to each his own you're doing good for not being on everything because it it can literally just suck the time right right out but yeah so best of luck i i really i'm rooting for you i want that film out there so as as soon as you're ready, ready to hit send, you know, get that website up and get that crowdfunding, you know, going so that uh people people can invest in you. And are you gonna are you gonna make a uh, snow mountain available for people to see online sometime soon? Uh, I'm not sure when that's gonna happen. Right now, it's still technically in like its festival run. Okay. That time, you know, you don't really make it public, but uh, yeah. You know, it is interesting, you know, I know we're wrapping up, but you, you know, you're... Yeah, yeah, no, no, go ahead. friend, you said who shot a bunch of shorts, right? So mm -hmm. my feeling with this, you know, I, I've always said it, it, for me, it was like going to film school, you know, like we I planned for about four months, spent a couple thousand dollars, and we made a short film. And as soon as we made it and we put it out and we showed it, that was cool. But I was like, I want to make a feature. Like, I have no interest in making more and more shorts because I don't think you can... You, it's hard to sell shorts. You know, like, I don't know. What yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, a, it's almost like the way I make music. I think you do it because you love it and you want to share with the audience and you want to show that you, you know, you just enjoy doing it. But mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a weird world where you make a short and then you, you pay all this money and you get it shown in festivals, but it's like, you can't really sell it. So you can't like, what am I really doing there? I'm like, man, forget all this stuff. Let's, let's, let's make a feature. <laughs> right, right. Well, one thing, one thing I'm going to suggest, uh, look up Quele TV, K-W-E-L-I TV. Uh, it's a streaming platform. Uh, the content is mostly African Americans and the African diaspora as far as like the content what have you so definitely look into that i know uh, the creator deshauna she you know she is constantly uh looking at content and i know i'm i'm 95 percent sure she will just eat that up you know so definitely you know when when you're done doing the festival circuit you know definitely uh shoot it up you know to her for for her to see and uh is snow mountain playing any other time where where's it playing now right or is yeah no there's actually no festivals it's in right now but we're waiting to hear back like the fe that's another thing too with the, mm. the admission dates for certain festivals so there's a handful of festivals we still want to apply to or that we're still waiting to hear back from so gotcha as that comes out as we get our yeses or nos i'll probably be posting that on on instagram or, or something and uh and yeah but it, yeah man well well yeah definitely when snow mountain gets accepted somewhere please 
shoot it out on Instagram and uh, get that started. Uh, also, you know what? You should look up uh, Shorts Film Festival. S H O R T Z exclamation point. Uh, P- uh, really good friends of mine up in Chico, California. They do a film, a Shorts Film Festival every year. Um, I need to check with them to see what's going on. You know, you know, since the fires, I believe they're still doing it, but I'm not sure. But definitely look look into that as well. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a problem, man. I, I, like that, that, that short needs to be seen and you need to get out there. So, Hey man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a great talk. All, you know, best of luck to you and uh, can't wait to see more of your work, my man. Yeah. Likewise, man. All right, let's keep the conversation going. Sweet. Awesome. Yo, that was, that was incredible, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of LJ Presents. As always, you can find me on my website at ljeffreymore.com, Twitter at ljeffreymore, and on Instagram at ljeffrey.more. Make sure to check back next week for another great guest. See you then.